Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. We are in week number, number, number four. We have one more week of our sermon series on honor. I think it's fitting. I think you, some of you need to go back. Uh, you need to watch week number two as you go into this week. Uh, because whatever happens, at the end of the day, you know, my house, we have, we have our own beliefs. I'm not going to share my political beliefs with you on this stage. I don't want to email. And so, uh, but I have my own opinions, as we all do. We are, we, you, but here's the thing. I can be friends with people who have different opinions. Amen. Amen. Come on. I can be friends with people. And in my house, we're, we're watching. And whether, whether we like it or not, or we agree with it or not, or we're excited or, or not, here's the conversation I'm having with my kids. We're, we're called to honor. Whatever happens... We're called to pray for our leaders. We're, we're, called, to, we're called to believe good things for, for our leaders. That's what we're called to do. That's what the Bible said to do. Last week, we talked about honoring uh, our parents, right? Some of you, you had some work to do this week, some, of, some very difficult moments, some difficult decisions. You want to talk about refiner's fire. That, 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 that's a painful decision. I'm going to honor somebody, maybe that I don't feel like giving honor to, but the Bible says that the promise is long and healthy and healthy life. Next week, we're going to take a look at your spiritual leaders. Some of you are going to be like, that seems like you're, talk, you want to, you're going to build yourself up. I'm just going to tell you what scripture says. I want you to see something. Uh, is, there, is, it, is it not true? Sometimes you come to church and, and, and you come in, you have this attitude of expectation. You get here early, you're ready, and service is amazing. And, and then other weeks, you're distracted. You know, elections happen. You don't really care. You come in, you're like, worship stunk today. Right? Worship, same band, the preacher was off. He didn't say anything good. Right? What happened? Attitude of honor. When you come in with honor, right, you're here early, your teeth are brushed, right, you're ready to go, you're note, taking notes, you're excited about worship, you're honoring those who are in spiritual leadership in your life, it creates blessings and power from God. Now, I want to show you this principle, right? You can go into a church. I've been places before where I, I'll preach at one place and you can feel there's dishonor in that place. Nobody cares about the word of God. They've been there. They've done that before and there's nothing. You go into other places. They lean in. They're hungry. Same sermon, by the way, that I preached at the other church and I'll tell them, the Lord gave me this word just for you. That's what preachers say, right? That's not true. You, they preach it 16 times before. But the word, just so you know, if you ever go somewhere and they're like, the Lord gave me this word for you. That's, they, they preach that 52 times in their life. That's why you're like, why does my pastor need notes? Well, I need notes because I preach a new sermon every week, right? Like you preach the same sermon every week. You don't need notes. That's called a performance, right? A play. Here's act two. And so I'm just giving you some preacher, some preacher lingo and some little insight. Uh, but I need to go. We're not going to have time to talk about it. This one's really important. Today we're going to talk about honoring, honoring our social leaders, our, 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 our coaches, our, our teachers, our bosses, our people like that. reason I want to talk about coaches and teachers is because the way that you learn how to honor your coaches and teachers carries with you into your life the way you honor your bosses. All of us will, will at one point in our life have a boss. Nobody just grows up and, and is the boss, right? And, and some of you work in your family business that one day you'll take over, but you're not the boss. You're, you still work for, for the boss, right? And so all of us at some point in our life will have to be under, under authority. And I want to jump right in and show you how significant it is because what's interesting, in almost every letter that Paul or any of the other apostles writes to a church to instruct them on what it looks like to be a Christian in their culture, they deal with workplace attitudes, 
It's, it's, it's very interesting, more, more so than how you worship and more so than your theology. And, you know, no, they, would, they would deal. Here's how we want you to act towards people that you work for. Watch, watch what this says in, in 1 Timothy 6. He says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of self of full respect. Now, I want you to pull that down. I want to make sure we, we explain this because I don't want you to tune, tune me out, right? Uh, that word slavery in the scripture is not talking about the same type of slavery that existed in America and Africa and places like that, where you were still somebody against their, their will. That actually, what, was, what, what they were referring to as a bond, bond slave. And, and what a bond slave was is essentially you would, you would hire yourself out to pay off a debt, right? And so you would say, hey, my kid need it, needs this medical procedure or my house needs, needs this or, you know, we got ourselves into this debt. And so I'm going to hire myself out for an allotted time as a bond servant to you and I'm going to work my debt off. And so I'm going to work this many hours. And when I'm done, my debt will be paid. This is, this, is how, this is what they're talking about. They're not talking about slavery where somebody's been stolen from their family and put in, into that. And it's really important to understand that because this is how Christians hundreds of years ago, this is how they justified the slavery in America. They said, well, the Bible talks about slavery. But this is not what it's talking about. It's actually talking about somebody who has, who has hired themselves out. And so here's what it says in that mindset. It says, so that God's name and our teaching would not be slandered. Verse number two says, those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they're fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things you are to teach and, and, and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and godly teaching, they are conceited and they understand nothing. So here, here's what was happening. These, these bond servants, these slaves that have said, hey, I'm going to work my debt off, would get, would get saved by Jesus Christ. The message would be preached. And words like this would be, you're free. You're free from your debt of sin. And so what they were doing is they were taking the benefit of their salvation and they were applying it to their debt and going, <laughs> Paul said we're free. Paul said I have no more debt of my sin and that's my old way of life. And so I quit, right? And then they had believing, believing uh, 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 sl- masters and they would go, you get it. Come on, man, we're both Jesus followers. And I know I owe you something and you, you know, you're keeping your word, but we're both free. So cut me a deal. You ever been there, right? Some of you worked for Christians, you own businesses. You ever worked for a Christian? Like, give me the Christian discount. Which, by the way, is not Christian. If you ever do work for our church, right? And you tell me, I'm going to give you the Christian discount. I won't hire you because I don't want Christian work. I don't, I don't want, you know, I want, I want good work. And if, I, if something goes wrong, I don't want to call you and get on the Christian list. You know what I'm saying? Underneath all your paying customers. I want to be at the top of the list. And so that's how I function. If I, if I call you to my house, I'm not looking for that, right? And so here's what you need to understand. Any Christian practice that makes you more of a burden to those around you is never a Christian practice. He says, I don't want you to be a burden. I want you to be even better at your work. He goes on in the book of Titus, a different book, but, but same idea. He says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything to try to please them and not to talk back to them. So take out, take out master, put boss. Take out master, put coach. Take out master, put teacher, put principal. Teach them not to talk back to them, right? And not to steal from them. How do you steal from your boss? You don't work. You're on your phone, you're cutting corners, you're watching political stuff when you're supposed to be at work. 
You complain. You, you get on your phone. You call your wife. Talk about how mean your boss is being to you. They expect you to be at where you say you're going to be on time. God forbid. Right? This is what he's saying. He said this. He said and not to steal from them, and not to sh- and, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teachings about God our Savior what? Attractive. In other words, this is what he would say. He would say, Christians, make sure to treat your bosses, teachers, and coaches, etc. It's not in the Bible, but that should be. With honor. Because the way you treat them is a reflection of God and you don't want to make him look foolish and your beliefs seem silly. In other words, just a couple, couple thoughts for you. You need to remember your actions in honoring or dishonoring your, your social leaders. It either credits or discredits what, what you preach. No telling how many Christians have gone to a place and people know they're Christians and the boss was watching, they didn't know and they never come to church because they watch you work. And that can't be how a Christian works. That can't be how a Christian talks. That can't be, the Bible says don't complain, right? You ever notice that non-Christians know just as much scripture as Christians? Especially when they want to attack you and they'll go, man, the Bible says do everything without complaining. And I ask you to do one simple task that I pay you for, by the way, and you complain about it. You can't be a a Christian. You, You know why? Because what we live speaks so much louder than how we speak. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you some, what I would call honoring workers mentality, right? Honoring workers mentality. I don't even have a chance to read. I'm not going to have time to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for you right now. But, but I, it, it, it just reiterates what I've been saying. Do everything you can to lead a quiet life. You make it your ambition to win the respect of people outside the church based on the way that you work. Why is working so important? There's no better way to honor your boss, your coaches, your teachers than by your work ethic. Some of you give your boss a card every year at Christmas when they come, right? And you give them a thank you card and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative. You know what your boss would rather have? 52 other weeks where you worked. I don't want your gift. Your best gift to me is hard work. Because if you're a hard worker, our business will grow and we will all flourish. I don't need your thank you, no. I don't need your, 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 your applause every, every year at Christmas or at boss's appreciation month. That stuff's nice. What I need you to do is not gossip about me. What what I need you to do is show up on time. What I need you to do is represent me when you're with a customer that I'm not with, right? What what I need you to do is is be the type of student that is not a burden in the classroom where you complain about how your teacher has it out for you, even though they gave you a syllabus and you knew the test was going to be on that day. What I need for you is not to have your your parent call me when I'm not playing you, even though your parent's not at practice and they don't see you walking during sprints and telling me you're hurt all the time and then expecting me to play you the same amount of time when I've been telling you, you earn your playing time. Don't have your your parent call me and complain and then go to the district level people and say, this coach is not playing my kid. My kid is the future so-and-so. No, you're not. It's political. I had my son tell me that the other day. He's like, Dad, he's not even playing junior high soccer yet. He's like, Dad, my, this kid on my team that plays on my team right now, he told me we get junior high that it's all about politics, that the coach that coaches soccer also coaches baseball, and he just plays the guys that play baseball, right, and soccer so they can get in shape for baseball season, which I said, hold on, hold on one second. You don't get in shape for baseball season, right? That's not, no offense. It's just... It, <laughs> Come on. I'm like, it's not this diff, different sport, right? Like, different, different muscles, sorry, different, different muscles. 
And he's like, it's all political. I'm like, listen, I don't want to hear anything about that. You go to practice and you run and you, you beat people in sprints and you beat them to the ball, you make him give you playing time. Don't tell me it's political. I am never going to call your coach and tell him to play you. You will always get what you earn. I don't call the coach, call the teacher, call the boss. You're going to call your, your, your kid's first boss and tell him to stop being so mean to your kid? You're giving my kid too many responsibilities. So I want to I I talk to you about this today, just for a little bit. Honoring work, work attitude. The greatest amount of honor you can give to your, spa, your, your boss is to be a good worker. Right? Number one is this. You're going to work. This one's really important. This is how you change your attitude, your, your, your understanding of work. You're going to work from a godly altitude. What's altitude? Well, you ever fly? Sometimes you're flying and it gets turbulent. What does what, 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 what what the pilot do? He doesn't, he doesn't just keep driving through. What does he do? Takes you to a different altitude, right? Right? Some of you, everywhere you go, it's bumpy. <laughs> everywhere. Every teacher you have, you're like, they have it out for me. Every teacher, every coach you've ever had, they don't, just, they don't see my potential. It's bumpy, right? Every boss, some of you have been at five, six, seven, 10, 15 different jobs in your lifetime. Every time it gets difficult, every time it gets turbulent, you, you just quit, right? You just go, it's too turbulent, they're too mean to me, they have too many high expectations, we don't match. God, Christians, God called me somewhere else. Uh, yeah, that, if you work in the church, I'm going to give you some more church, church secrets. If you work in a church and somebody says, God called me some, somewhere else, that's bullcrap. Second thing, right? Every once in a while that happens, but most of the time what they mean is, it's just really hard. My boss is not promoting me. I was there. My first job, I'm like, God's calling me somewhere else. Well, why? Because he's mean. And he don't like him. And he's hard, he's hard to work for. And he, and he has expectations. He doesn't listen to everything that this 22-year-old says. Every opinion I have, he doesn't think is right. And so I'm called somewhere else, and it's turbulent. And here's what you need to do. You need to change your altitude. You need to go to a different level of thinking in, in, your, in your life. Oftentimes, as Christians, we forget who our real boss is. And this is not, listen, this is, I want every time I say this, I always want to tell people, this is not, this is not encouragement for you to get on the phone with your real boss and tell my pastor theologically corrected me on something you need to understand. <laughs> but you have a real boss. Bigger than your job, bigger than your political party, bigger than everything, bigger than your coach, bigger than your teacher. You have a real boss if you follow Jesus Christ. Watch, watch what the Bible says in, in Ephesians 6. He says, once again, almost every book of the Bible says the same thing. Slaves must have been a problem in the church. Hard work has always been a problem with Christians. Always. We're like, yeah, I'll work hard in heaven someday, right? He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, watch this, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. There's a difference. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not who? Everybody tell me. That's an altitude change. You serve the person you work for. You serve the teacher that teaches you. You serve the coach that coaches you, right? And you serve them with a different mentality. You serve them as if you're serving the Lord, not them. You understand that by the way that you serve them, that is the way that you are actually serving the one who saved you. It's changing. It's going from what in the book says, from a slave mentality to a servant mentality. 
It was really significant. He, he put this, he said, a slave does the minimum, a servant does the maximum. You see the difference? A slave's getting there right before work, watching the clock, leaving, right, taking your full lunch. I get it. I, listen, government says, by the way, wrong place to start. Government says I get two 15-minute breaks. I get a 35-minute break here. You're overworking me. You want me to stay late? No. How much more are you going to pay me? A, a slave, that's, that's slave mentality. A servant's going, I'll do whatever I need to do because I want to be a blessing to you. Ultimately, the way that I treat you is the way that I worship and serve the Lord. A slave is stolen from. A servant loves to give. A slave has to. A servant gets to. A slave waits for orders, stands around, waits for orders, looks around, oh, there's nothing to do, bosses, you know, boss, gotta come tell me what to do, which by the way, if you are that type of employee, your boss can't stand you. If every time your boss doesn't, you have any kids like that? You ask your kids to help you clean up the kitchen at the end of dinner, and you got the one kid, he just kind of stands back and observes. You're in the way, I'm like, help! What do I do? I'm like, dude, you are 11, 12, 13 years old. You've been helping me clean up the kitchen for your entire life. What do you mean what to do? Get the broom. What do I sweep up? Everything. <laughs> you see, see what I'm saying? A slave waits for orders. A servant looks for, for opportunities. You see, you're going to take pride in the work that you do because you take pride in the one that you serve. You're going to constantly think about, man, his eyes are on me. My very first job, uh, my, first, my boss's name was Ted. Greatest blessing in the world. 13 years old, my mom and dad made me get me a, get me a job. So if any of you are higher and I have a 13-year-old, come see me. It'll work for free. I'm not playing. So I worked for, I remember $4.25. That's why I laughed. They're like, we're going to make minimum wage $15 an hour. I'm like, if my kids get $15 an hour, I got a problem with that. So I made $4.25 an hour. I had to work eight hours to make $25. And it wasn't easy work. It was hard work. And I remember my first boss's name was Ted. And uh, I was a cashier at this, play, at this place in Boardtown, Sunoco. And I remember, uh, I thought you was a cashier. You just stand around and you just punch the things. I know oh, you want a pack of cigarettes. Okay. You know, that's $2.50 or whatever it was back then. I know you want gum or you type it in. And then when they leave, you just kind of, you just kind of like this on the, on the cash register. <laughs> right? And he told me, he said, you're never going to be at the cash register standing like that, ever. He said, I said, well, yeah. he said, I have two cash, cash, cashiers. Nobody, nobody's allowed to have two people standing. And in fact, if, you're, if you're, no one's in, you need to be doing this work. You need to be cleaning the hot dog rollers. You need to be stocking ice. You need to be doing all this. And so I figured out early on in the job, he wasn't there all the time. I knew what kind of car he had. He had a red Jeep Cherokee, Grand Cherokee. I knew which direction he came from when he was ascending on Sunoco. <laughs> I even knew the music that he had. The music sounded like the same music. Uh, from, the, from the witch on, on Wizard of Oz. And he, he would rip in to the parking spot, and I would watch for him because when he wasn't there, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to stand at this, you know, I'm just going to stand right here like this. And uh, I would watch for his car to come. His car would come, I would jump over to the hot dog rollers and just be cleaning them. And one day he sat me down and he said, listen, you see all these cameras? This is before Wi-Fi, so I'm like, yeah, I see those cameras. He was like, well, they go, to a, they go to a TV in my office, and he was like, I care about my business so much that I watch every hour, minute of what goes on at this place because I care about what happens, which now as a boss, I get it. I remember thinking, you are insane. And you know what it did? It terrified me. 
It terrified me. I looked around. I saw those, I saw those, 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 those cameras. And every time I thought about just getting on that, you know, this is the pose. That's the, God, you see it. You go to giant places like that. Okay. Right? Every time I would do that, I would think to myself, he's watching. He's coming. He's going to see me. And it changed me. And here's the thing about it. I'm telling you all this about my first boss because I want you to realize that God's always watching. He, he is, he is, I don't want to scare you. I just want to teach you accurately what the Bible teaches. The Bible is, says God is all-knowing, all-seeing. He is everywhere in every moment, in your thoughts, in your demeanor, in your actions. And what happens when you change your altitude and you realize you work for him and not the person that you currently work for, it changes the way you're working because you're going, I can't do this. God is watching me. Not, not that old song from a distance. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is all up in my business right now. He refuses to let me alone. He watches every moment of my life. And I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Change your altitude. Let me just give you three more real quick. Uh, Laura, you can come play me out so I do this quick because I'm off course today. <clears throat> Number two, you're going to work with a godly attitude. So here's the thing about it. Altitude changes, changes attitude. Altitude changes attitude. Right? Like, you ever fly on a plane? I, I don't like to be in turbulence on a plane in a death tube. Anybody else? You're not like, ah, it feels like a ride. This is fun. Wee, right? No, you're like, you're like, change the altitude. The plane's dropping. You're hitting your head on stuff. Your wife's crying, right? Like, change, change it. But what, here's what happens. You change the altitude and it gets, it gets smoother. All of a sudden, the attitude, you're not afraid anymore. The attitude changes. And I, I want to encourage you, you change how you look at work. And oftentimes, some of the bad attitudes you have are a reflection of the, the turbulent air that you spiritually are flying in. So I want you to remember, when you change your altitude, you will change your, your attitude. And, and here's something that, I, that I've noticed changed. And I want you just to write these down if you, if you have notes. But here is, some, here is some purely Christian attitudes that should never not be in your life, ever. Unquestioned, 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 right? Number one is effort, effort. The Bible didn't say that Jesus came and gave some of himself. The Bible said Jesus came and gave all of himself, everything. He held nothing back. So there is nothing. Listen, you don't control your environment a lot. You don't control your boss's moods. You're like, I got a moody boss. Of course they are. They got to put up with you all the time. Right? You, you, don't, you don't control Sometimes the promotion that you were supposed to get or didn't get or the, the pay that you should, should be getting, maybe you're being overlooked. But can I just tell you one thing you control? Nobody else is responsible for your own effort but you. You make the effort. You, you be, you be the, the first one and the last one out. You be the yes person. Whatever you need me to do, I, I'm there to do it. That, that's effort. Don't be a, a workplace diva. You know what that is? If you don't know what it, what it is, it's because you are that person, right? The Bible says in Luke 16, watch this principle. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with, with much. In other words, be found doing the small things excell excellently. And oftentimes the big God things will find you. I'm going to give effort in my life. The answer is always yes. The task is never beneath me. The purpose is always greater than I see. Effort. Let me give you a couple more. Loyalty. Remember I had my first, my first job. 
Uh, I struggle with this because I was 22. And when you're 22, um, you, you know more than you've done, right? You ever been there? Some of you are young, you don't get this. Like you, you know more, but you haven't done much. So they eventually, they, they, they come together where you get older, hopefully you've done some stuff and you know some more stuff and your words hold more, hold more credibility. And it's not that your words aren't important when you're young, but sometimes it's like, hey, hey, young fella, this person's 40, this person's 40, the secretary's 40, the pastor's 55, and you're 22 years old. You got hair, looks like friends. Remember the, the show Friends, it's all spiky. We know you're cool, but whoa. Why don't you come in here, show up on time for a little bit? Why, why, why don't you come in here and actually, you know, hone your craft and maybe be quiet and listen? I know you got ideas, and I know someday, because at that point, I'm like, I'm going to be a boss someday. And I remember in, that, in the moment, I was very, if you ask me, very disloyal to, to, to my pastor, disloyal in what I listened to, um, disloyal in, in my, my eyes. I, I would be online back then in 2002, so online looked a lot different, and I'd be searching other jobs out and, and just just disloyal. And I remember one person told me, he said, listen, if you are not loyal enough to honor your pastor and his vision, then just leave. Shut up and leave. Stop complaining. But, it, but if you're going to stay there and work, he thought, this is another pastor, so I can say this. He said, shut up and work. Be loyal to him. You're, you're disloyal. You're dishonoring. So you're giving effort. You're being loyal. And, and one more Christian workplace attribute that I think a lot of us forget, this, it's, this, it's this word called integrity integrity what's integrity integrity is doing the right thing no matter who's watching you integrity is doing the right thing maybe even with the understanding that no one will ever see you doing the right thing it's it's that it's that thing in your head it's i call it the cart test you know what the cart test is the cart test is you have the cart you're outside it's raining you're tired you got kids you don't feel like taking them back where do you leave the cart you just leave it anywhere Literally, the, the place to push the cart is 10 steps away, and you're in the third parking spot. It's about 15 meters from the entrance. So the truth is, what would be most helpful if you're a Christian is just to push the cart back, right? And then on the way in, you grab three or four other ones. You ever do that? You say, hey, we got this. Why, why are we doing this? It's not our job. Yeah, it's our job. We follow Christ. We're a blessing, not a burden. But it's this integrity. You, you work with integrity. You refuse to steal money. One of my favorite quotes that I, that I, when I've preached on work comes from Martin Luther King Jr. He says, he said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote, wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. I'm going to work with some effort. Let me just give you, let me give you two more. You're going to work with some, here, here, here's, here's, you have the right a- attitude, right? And it leads to this one big thing. You ready? A little bit of gratitude. If you work for somebody, I wonder, especially a first or second generation business owner, somebody who started that business from scratch, right? And you go in and you work for them. Some of you have that opportunity to do that. And, and, and you are not, you don't recognize, you, I wanna, like, you should recognize in that, in that person that you're working for how much work they have done to be able to get to the position where they can actually have employees that they pay. You should probably think about sometime how stressful that they, how stressed it is, because I remember not being a pastor and getting paid every week by, by the church and just taking my check and going home. And, and then all of a sudden I was the pastor and I realized you, you have to have ties coming in to have a paycheck going out. 
And then you have employees, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, like, we have to be able to have enough money so we can pay. And then you have family. And so if you work for somebody, at some point you go, man, I'm grateful for the amount of work that you have done so that I can be employed at this place. See how it changes you? Instead of going, you're lucky you have me. You're lucky that I'm here. I got 16 other opportunities. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I will raise up the corporate ladder, rise up the corporate ladder. I'm an up-and-comer. I'm a primetime player. And you have me for a little bit, just a little bit, until something better comes. Man, what if, you, what if you woke up and you had what I would call a little bit of godly gratitude? What if, what if you started looking at stuff as a gift? What if you teach your kids school as a gift? Is it, aren't, parents, aren't you fully aware that school, going to physical school, some of you have kids, isn't that such a gift? <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the things I'm most grateful for is that my kids, I mean, they, they probably got at least two or three years before they'll ever complain about school again, Right? Because now they want to go, and they, they want to, and, I, and I'm t- your teachers want to, they're teaching you, that's such a gift, that somebody is willing to put up with my kids for eight hours a day. I don't know if I could do that. And you send them to school. And some of you are complaining complain for my taxes. Listen, your taxes do not cover them taking care of your kids for that many hours a day. Come on, amen? Right? Some of you, your, your kids are on teams and they're just always complaining about the coach and the teams and you need to teach, this is a gift. It's a gift to run. It's a gift to be on a team. When they opened up soccer after this pandemic, after they didn't have it in the spring and we, we came back, man, what a gift. Come out and run around with your friends. You get to see people. You gotta kick the ball off the fence in the back of the yard and break it. You get to go kick it with other kids. Man, what a gift. Some of you, some of you understand like, well, you had to stay home all the time and some of you loved it. You're like, this is amazing. I get to stay home and work from home. Some of you are like, I just want to go back to work. I just need, I need to be by myself in my car for 30 minutes. And it's a gift. Everything on, in this life is a gift. And when you begin to understand that it's a gift, you get grateful. And then the last one is work embracing a godly assignment. And he, here's, here's, here's the end of it. Here's the end of it. The Bible talks about letting, letting your light shine, right? And Christians get this confused. Uh, they think, I let my light shine by knowing my Bible, right? I let my light shine by debating. I let my light shine by apologetics. That means you debate the faith, right? I think that stuff's fine. But I think you let your light shine by, by your normal everyday attitude, your normal everyday demeanor, your, your normal ener- everyday energy, your normal everyday blessing to the place that you work. I think there is nothing more impactful than a Christian who is a blessing to the company that he works for, that she works for. There's nothing. There's nothing more impactful than our kids going into their schools and being a blessing to the places that teach them and, and, and lead them and instruct them. Everything. To go in and be a blessing and t- tell people thank you and, and make eye contact and, and, and clean up classrooms and stay, and just and, and in general. There's nothing better. I want my kids, I don't, I don't care if my kid's the best player on the soccer team. I want his coach to say, your kid was really easy to coach. Like, I, he didn't come in and say, I only play striker, don't put me at defense. Wherever, wherever I put him, whether I started him, whether I put him in for five minutes a game, he gave his entire effort. Man, what is different about your kid that is different about all these other brats? That, that, I know we're not supposed to call kids that. But just so you know, I coach. I coach every year. That's what they are. They're not brats because they're brats. They're brats because their parents. I've made them brats, by the way. 
They never told him, don't do that. Hey, say thank you at the end. I'm always amazed as a parent, right? I'm a volunteer. People will bring their kids and, and, and all year I'll coach them. And not one time will you have a parent say, hey, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with my kid for an hour. Thanks for hanging out with my kid for an hour. Like as if I'm getting paid to do that. And by the way, I wouldn't do it for pay because it's not enough pay, right? So thanks for coaching. Thanks for hanging out with my kid. Thanks for teaching my kid. Thanks, thanks for teaching my kid. Thanks for being the principal at my kid's school. Thanks for being my boss. I could tend to be a lot, of, a, a lot of work, I know. Thanks for all the grace that you've given me. And all of a sudden, your light, your light is shining. You work from a different mindset. Work is, is significant. Work is biblical. Work is, is godly. Instead of being miserable in your work, you begin to become a missionary. You understand, I've been sent to this place at this exact moment in history to accomplish something historical for God's kingdom. Amen? Ready to go back to work tomorrow? Ready to go back to school? Ready to go talk to your coaches different? Some of you are like, oh, shoot. Some of you had an email you were about to send one of your coaches because your kid didn't play enough yesterday. You're going to reevaluate that. Or you're going to have to send an apology. Some of you, that, that, that person, right? They know, remember, we're going to give you those little stickers, Journey Church stickers in a few weeks, and you're that person in the line every day when they see you, like, oh, here comes, here comes, here comes Karen. That's the if, if your name is Karen, I'm so sorry. Change your name, right? Change your name. Here comes, you know, Martha. Here comes Steve. Steve just sounds like a Karen, right? Here comes Steve. They're going to complain, man. And, and, man, why, why are you not just a blessing when you get to school? Why, why are you not everywhere you go? It's a joy, man. These people are Christians. Man, they're going to change the, the, the altitude, the attitude. Man, their gratefulness, it changes everything. Be a missionary. Different mindset. Do me a favor, would you stand up all over, all over Montgomeryville in here? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I mean, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you, you hear Laurel, she's playing that same, that same tune from that last song. It's a, it's a song that has blared on, my, on my, my Spotify, my iTunes for the last few months. comes up a lot. And it's a prayer song. God, change me. Some of you, this is a change, right? Like, like, this is a shift in your mindset, this workplace mentality. Wherever I go, I'm going to see things as a blessing. I've been, I've been cursing. I, I know what the Bible teaches, what I curse gets worse, what I praise prospers. So I'm going to start praising you for the opportunity that I have to work. I'm going to praise you for the opportunity I have to play that sport. I'm going to praise you for the opportunity that I have to go to that school, to that college. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to stop complaining. I'm going to honor those in social leaders, leadership in my life. And as we, we play that song, some of you, you're, you're not believers. So when I talk about this believer's mindset, you're like, man, I'm not a, I'm not a believer of, of God. But maybe some of you say, I want to be. I want to be. I don't know what that looks like, but I came here today and my life feels empty. It feels like it, it's in this, this cycle where I'm constantly running after something, but I'm never finding it. And as you're speaking, and, and I see people around me, they have a different spirit about them. It, it, here, here's the thing. They're not different than you because they're better people than you. That, 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 that's, not, that's not a part of church. There's no such thing as better people. They might feel different to you. Their, their spirit might be different because they're saved people. They're set free people. 
Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that every one of us is a sinner and falls short of the glory of God. There's a God, and if there is, we've messed up and we are separated from him. The Bible says that because of that sin, that the wages, the penalty of that sin is death in hell. That we are literally living in a prison of our mistakes, of our past, of our shame, of our sorrow. And the Bible says when our heart stops here, that, that our next breath, if we don't know Christ, will be one of separation, of darkness. The Bible calls it a place called hell. And some of you say, how can a loving God allow people to go to hell if he's so loving? Well, listen, the Bible teaches that he did everything in his power. He can't be close or connected to hell that he's perfect and we're not, but he did everything in his power. He sent his one and only son. He stepped out of eternity. He stepped into the temporary. He came and he died on a cross. And when he died on that cross, he was dying in our place. He was paying the penalty of our sin in full. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. For anyone, I love that part, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, any addict, any gossiper, any person who can't stop looking at pornography, any person who's angry and bitter and broken, any person who's been divorced or had an abortion or they're shamed and they come into this place and they're carrying the weight of their past, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For if you confess with your mouth and you believe in that heart that is beating out of your chest right now, that's the moment Jesus comes in and he makes you a brand new person. So I love church. You can have one hour of church, right, with a timer. I'm looking at it. It's staring me down. It's saying, okay, it's time to stop talking. And in that one hour, you can open up the word of God. You can lift up your voice in praises, and the spirit of God can ascend on this place, and he can change somebody forever. Forever. And he's here right now, friend. I'm not sure where you've been. I'm not sure what you've done. I'm not sure what you bring into this place. I'm not sure what's going on in your life. But I know that the Spirit of God, both here and Montgomeryville and even watching online, is working. The Bible says he knocks at the door of people's hearts. If they would simply say yes, he would come in. So he's here, and I wonder if that's you. I wonder if this is your moment. November 8, 2020, this is the moment I'm going to say yes to Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite him to be the Lord of my life. I don't want to be the boss, and I don't want to be in control. I need to let go of control. I need to give it to him. If that's you all over these houses, I'm not going to make you come forward, and I'm not going to call you out, but I want you to do one thing for me. When I ask you in a second, I just want you in faith to shoot your hand straight up in the air. And here's why. Because that is the universal sign of surrender. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ right now. I'm done running. I'm done being my own boss. I'm going to give it to him. If that's you all over our houses, come on, in faith and in courage, just begin to shoot that hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, pastor, that's me. I want you to save me. I want Jesus to set me free. I want him to come into my life. I see a hand right here. Is anybody else? Hey, pastor, that's me. Another hand right there. Yeah. Yeah. Another hand. Yep. 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 Come on. If you're in Montgomeryville, just shoot your hand towards heaven online. I know you can't physically put your hand up, but you're just going to let our moderator know, hey, that's me. I'm responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as people are responding, come on, church, let's pray. Let's pray like we mean it. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, for it never returns void. I thank you for a focused church, Lord, that we are focused over time and it will bring momentum, that there is nothing in our world that's going to strip this away from us. This is our moment in time. This is our moment in history to rise up and be the church of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. And so we are grateful for these rooms. We are grateful for your word. Most importantly, we're grateful for your presence. 
Lord, when your presence shows up, miracles happen. And there's a miracle happening right now. There's somebody who they had a hardened heart. They had an angry heart. They had a bitter heart. They had a heart filled with shame and condemnation. And right now, Lord, something's happening. Lord, there's freedom in the name of Jesus. They're receiving you as their Lord and their Savior. They're humbling themselves before you. And the Bible says you will lift them up. And Lord, this is the first day of the rest of their life. What a moment. What a moment. What a decision that changes everything else. And we are grateful. We are grateful for all that you've done, all that you're going to continue to do today and in the months to come. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Come on, church. Let's clap together like we mean it. Come on. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.